Blog Talk Radio. Ghost Dog. What? Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog? He said Ghost Dog. Yeah, he calls himself Ghost Dog. I don't know, a lot of these black guys today, these gangster type guys, they all got names like that they make up for themselves. Is that true? Sure. He means like the rappers. You know, the rappers, they all got names like that. Snoop Doggy Dog, Ice Cube, Q-Tip, Method Man. My favorite was always Flavor Flav from Public Enemy. We got the funky fresh flyer flavor. Live lyrics from the bank of reality. I kicked the flyer so I knew the technicality. Do a dope track. I love that guy. I don't know anything about that. But it makes me think about Indians. You know, they got names like uh, Red Cloud, Crazy Horse, Running Bear. Yeah, Indians, niggas, same thing. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. Imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro-Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Okay, okay, folks, it is October 4th, 2017, and we are a day, at least for me, for all those who are comic book and pop culture enthusiasts, a day away from the New York Comic Con. I was able to muster up one day. (laughs) This thing has become such a monster over the last couple of years, so it is becoming more and more difficult to get into this phenomenon. So. I will give you my thoughts on Saturday uh, going to the event tomorrow. At least for the duration, people, we're going to talk. uh, We're here, uh, if you haven't guessed it. I don't think I actually mentioned the name of the show, (laughs) but you know what time it is. It is the Midweek in Review time, Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. The call number six four six nine one five nine six two zero. 
646-915-9620. We're starting up a little bit earlier than usual. I'm debating whether I will go to the gym. That's the, one of the reasons why I did it earlier. But where I decided to give us and you a two-hour blast. We've been doing this uh, for short shrift over the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to try to eke out two hours of discourse. Um, but the elephant in the room, we've got to talk about it. This, this Las Vegas strip shooting, completely outrageous, completely a horror show. It's just beyond imagination. I mean, the anti keeps on being driven further and further up locally again as new yorkers i always mention uh the tri-state of course our friends bison and black ronan have their own tri-state that's why i mentioned the dmv dc maryland and virginia and of course we have connecticut new jersey and new york our own tri-state and uh we were in close proximity and say that in quotes with the Sandy Hook shooting, which was a few years ago, and that involved children, 20-some-odd children, which is a game. Uh, Jason Voorhees and his ilk, which is being rebooted ironically, but you knew that. That comes off like a Disney special when you're dealing with real-life altercations, real-life carnage. So we're going to talk about it. Our stalwart team member is making a special appearance. I see his number up on our boards. The uncanny Daryl B., so he's going to weigh in on a few things. I know he wanted to weigh in on Star Trek Discovery, and we can go into that again. I'm extremely excited about Star Trek Discovery, if you haven't guessed it. But we're going to keep it light, as light as we can. But we are going to have to get into this, because it's on everybody's lips. And we're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to try to make some sense out of, the, out of something that doesn't make any sense. So let's go to an urban alternative groove. When we get back, we can take your calls, and we're going to talk about this madness. Anyway, this is, I, I would suspect, a solo effort from this artist. I played it before, and I played it again. This is Sid from the Internet. And the cut is called Girl, and it's also featuring Kay Tronada, who we were able to check out at Afropunk. And I can't believe that punk to me felt like a couple of weeks ago, and we're already in New York Comic Con mode. Anyway, let's groove, people. We'll be right back.
right. Sid, the internet, Katronada, girl, giving you the absolute very best of urban alternative groove, black rock and roll, psychedelic soul, and Afro punk. Folks, we're live. This is not Memorex. Let's get into it. Captain, you're needed. You're needed on that probe that we saw on the first episode of Star Trek Discovery with the Klingons. Let's get to it, sir. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. analysis. Now I'm going to give you a more updated analysis of the Star Trek Discovery. Now that it's three episodes. We'll do that later in the show. Back over to you, Afternoon. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting drawn in, in that, into that show, Captain. It might be one of the best Star Treks uh, just because it has a completely different beat than the preceding Star Treks, but we'll get into that. Uh, folks, Special Wednesday appearance by, you know the gentleman. He has an eidetic memory. I'm always saying that, but I mean that for real. Um, but I have a master's too, so let's not get it twisted. I know some stuff too, but this man has a PhD when it comes down to pop culture, sport, sports culture, and uh, comic book sci-fi workings. Uh, I cannot do the show with a lot of folks that are involved in our machine. That goes for our left coast correspondent, Claylin A., but certainly this gentleman, he is the uncanny Daryl B. Special Wednesday appearance, by the way. Howdy, folks. Glad to sit in. Let's roll. Okay, man. Let's rock and roll. Uh, first up, um, well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, it, it's kind of the elephant in the room. Well, it's not kind of. It is the elephant in the room with this, this massacre. And, and I'm looking at the media with a side eye. Someone has to explain this to me. That I, I'm looking at the uh, Daily News the day after this this occurrence, and I'm seeing bloody bodies on the on the front page, and and the week before that, on the courtesy of the Daily News, I see the aftermath of the the uh, earthquake in Mexico, and I'm seeing a female body. I'm assuming this person is probably not alive. But it seems to be uh, a cadaver at this point, just kind of hanging out in between, you know, strewn in between this building. And it, I guess, I guess it's supposed to be off-putting. But I, you know, listen, we can figure out the carnage. But to see the carnage, maybe it has to be this way. But to me, it, it gives off uh, an air of glee on the part of the media. For having it, for 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 the for for it to to be necessary that we have to see this kind of carnage. So let me go to let me go to a, a brief news clip. So I want to give our audience the full information because that's what we do. 
And then I want Daryl B. to give his impressions. Daryl B. is, is a soldier, and of course we know that, that we, we honor him for, for, what he's, what he's, for what he's done. Um, but I, I would suspect someone who has seen war before, that this is, you know, I mean, you can never get used to it, but he's aware of it. But for civilians to see this thing, it's akin to war. Maybe it's beyond that. I don't know. But this is this is, this is crap, man. Um, yeah, it was a massacre, pure and simple. Yeah, yeah. Children were in, children were attending this concert, Daryl, and uh, I, you know the ones that are that have survived. They're talking, but I, I you know, I, I wouldn't want that on, on my conscience conscience as a child to be. You know, 500 people were shot in excess. 58 people killed. Um, wow. Anyway, let's let's play this this clip. I can find it, and we'll get this thing going. Maybe I can't find it. All right. You know what, Dale? Let's just get into this. What, what are your? And I'll play it after you speak once I find it. What are your impressions? What do you any special insight? This this gentleman, I'm just gonna kind of, I'm just riffing on this, but sixty uh, four year old millionaire, I believe a multimillionaire accountant, Stephen Paddock of Mesquite, Nevada. Um, this is some of the things I remember on the thir- from the thirty second floor, I believe of the Mandalay, and just. Out of the blue, no. From from what we know so far, I think his brother and his former paramour, a woman of Asian descent, everyone is looking around like they don't. They didn't have a clue that this guy was, could could do something like this. And again, a fairly attractive, mature girlfriend, multimillionaire. You're in Las Vegas. What happened where you have to have to shoot at 500 people? How bad is your life? So what, what, what's going on? What are your impressions? Well, here, here's the first thing. You brought up something uh, before uh, analyzing. That's something the media has got to stop doing. The uh, newspaper's got to do it, you know. The more central, uh, centralistic the photo is, the more copies they get to sell. All right? So they'll put that on the front page. All right? But the other flip side of that is... They they did the usual captain captain can break down the social aspects of this, but oh he was a nice guy, he was so quiet, you know this isn't the man I know. Well, facts and studies show that most spree and serial killers will have shown tendencies to everybody. It's just you're so blind in your own feelings you won't see this. I, and it's going to come out months later that these people, oh, he did do this, though. Oh, he did do this, though. Oh, he did do this, though. But Bison, to put up something on Twitter that makes total sense and no sense at the same time, but it's true. He had 10 assault weapons. 10 Assault weapons, okay? That's rifles, high-powered, you know, you're shooting at 500 people or more. Just 500 got uh, got hurt, and, and we don't know if they all got shot, you know, because when everybody's running, you know, some of those injuries happened uh, through trampling and stuff like that. But we do know for a fact 
58 was shot and killed. Don't tell me how much of a good guy this guy was. Don't tell me how quiet he was. He killed 58 people and facilitated the injuries of 500 more at a, a country concert, okay, in the in the the the, the the large park area right right by the room. So this wasn't I just all of a sudden snapped. He chose the room with the best outlook to look down to for the maximum amount of carnage he can do. Okay? I listen, I know his family wouldn't want to justify and tell you how much of a good guy he is. You wanna know a good guy? Look up the Washington Post, uh, uh, I guess, yesterday, where they talk about uh, these two strangers that met at the concert. This white dude, Asian woman. The Asian woman gets shot. This white dude moved heaven and hell to, A, try to protect her from getting shot more, and then, B, trying to find her stuff to notify her family. That's a hero. That's a good guy. And unfortunately, that had a tragic ending to it. I don't want to hear about this shooter, all right? The fact I know his name and, and all of that, I'm not even dignifying this dude by saying his name. There were women, kids, and non-combatants there, okay? This is not a wartime situation. And even if it was a wartime situation, this, the type of thing he did goes against everything that was in the Geneva Codes, the supposed uh, rules for warfare, okay? And which will lead me to my last point, and, and Captain could grab it from here. Hello, NRA. You want to know the reason we don't trust you? Is the fact that you're silent now. By you, all right? You could say you're for the people and, and the gun ownership is for everybody's rights and all of that. You don't condemn it, which means you submissively accept it. You condone this by not speaking out on this. Come on. At least say that... We believe in the, every American's right to own arms and to protect themselves, but what happened in Las Vegas is a heinous perversion of those rights. Innocents should never be caught in the crosshairs of licensed shooters. And we, we, we deeply feel for the people that have been injured and our deepest condolences to the victims and their families. There, I just said it. How hard was that, NRA? Somebody come out and say something. But again, like I said, I'm going to go back to Bison's point. If it was a black man carrying rifle-shaped boxes every day up into his hotel room every time, leaves with nothing, comes back with one, leaves with nothing, comes back with one, you think somebody in that lobby would have noticed? I bet you somebody would have. Back to you, Afrinard. All right, let's go to the CNN clip, and then I'm going to give you my piece. Uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll let the captain have his say, but let's go to the CNN piece since I found it. It's very brief, just to give uh, more of an encapsulation of exactly what happened, and then we'll dig in. Again, folks, this is the midweek edition 
of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. Of course, our uh, our Grindhouse our Grindhouse member is in today uh, for a special uh, appearance. Of course, the Uncanny Daryl B. So let's get into it. Hold on, CNN. At least 58 people now dead. More than 500 people wounded in a horrific shooting on the Las Vegas Strip. It's the deadliest mass shooting in modern United States history. Police say a 64-year-old Nevada man, you see his picture there, named Stephen Paddock, opened fire last night on a country music festival. He opened fire from the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel across the street from the concert hall. Police say he was armed with at least 10 rifles from that vantage point. Country music star Jason Aldean was playing for thousands of fans, 22,000 fans, just after 10 p.m. last night, Sunday night, when the gunman began unloading hundreds of rounds into the crowd. A concertgoer captured the video of that moment. We need to warn you, of course, it's extremely upsetting, both to watch and to hear. Some at the concert thought it was firecrackers. Some thought it was something wrong with the audio. They say it took them just a few moments to realize what was happening. And there was a sound like it was pyro, like it was pyro misfiring. It's like, why was it? Why, why is there pyrotechnics going off now? It was like, and then a few minutes later, a few seconds later, and when it didn't stop, we all realized what was happening, and and the sound. Not only was it the sound, but it was also the shells that were actually coming down, bullets coming down on the deck of the stage. The eyewitnesses say the gunshots continued for 10, perhaps 15 minutes. Fans describe utter chaos in those moments. Panicked people desperately running for their lives, trying to find some place to hide. But the gunmen just kept shooting from the broken window. You can see in the picture there, that's floor 32 of the Mandalay Bay. Law enforcement finally able to break into that hotel room using explosives on the door. Police found the shooter dead, presumably of a self-inflicted wound. Police say they believe he was working alone. The FBI just moments ago saying no connection has been found between the gunman and any international terrorist group. President Trump spoke a short time ago calling this an act, quote, of pure evil and saying so many families now just shattered. Hundreds of our fellow citizens are now mourning the sudden loss of a loved one, a parent, a child a brother or sister. We cannot fathom their pain. We cannot imagine their loss. To the families of the victims, we are praying for you, and we are here for you. The president also said he will visit Las Vegas on Wednesday. All right, you got the gist. Again, uh, courtesy of CNN, uh, Captain, your impressions, and then I'll weigh in, and then we'll move things along because it just is uh, radically, radically depressing, sir. So let's get into it. So there's a couple of things here. First, uh, Daryl B. is definitely right. There's normally a run-up. There's normally a history with these individuals, you know, and you overlook it because you're emotional. You have emotional ties to this person and everyone they interact with. That's most of the time. But now let's channel something from the Christians and also from the scientists. All right? Christians believe that, you know, individuals were made by the archon God. They call the archon God the chaos God. According to chaos, and you are, you are an aspect of chaos according to scientists. 
This is according to scientists now. Chaos has a part that it cannot perceive. That means each individual, you're chaotic in nature. You have a part about you that you don't know. Let me repeat that. According to scientists, according to scientists, this is according to scientists, not according to the captain. I don't do the work. I let the geeks and nerds do the work. And I beat them up if they don't do their work. (laughs) And I sequester it. Now, according to scientists, all right, you're an aspect of chaos. Chaos has a part that you cannot perceive, meaning which, simply put, you have a part within you that you do not know about. That could become active, and it will flatline everything else about you. That's just according to the scientists. So there's always a possibility that you can be Mr. Nicey-Nicey, and then one day you fly off the handle. Scientists don't address that, though. They don't address that. They don't address that. And this would help explain some of this, not most of this. Most of this is going to go down just as Daryl said. There's a runner. You can see there's a history. All right? That's most of most of the time. I just had to add that in there. Now let's look let's look at something. All right? Let's look at a few things. From this one article. This what I found a little disturbing. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, all right. This is from um this is from was this from the Las Vegas something. All right, I'll give you the information where it's from in the beginning. Later, after I read it. Twelve of the rifles Mr. Paddock had in his luxury suit, 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino were outfitted with a bump stop, a device that enables a gun to fire like a machine gun, with hundreds of rounds per minute, which may explain how he was able to rain such devastation on the crowd below, law enforcement officials said. Such devices are generally legal, and the possibility that he may have used them set off a fresh round of calls by Democratic lawmakers in Washington to pass more gun regulations for the tragedy. Semi-automatic rifles like those gunmen had are made to fire a single round with each pull of the trigger. But recordings and witness accounts of the shooting made it clear that Mr. Paddock was firing much faster at a rate comparable to that of fully automatic weapons. All right, that's disturbing. Now, that comes from, where does this come from? Uh, the New York Times, okay? Now, let's look at this another interview. you got to look at everything when you come to an assessment. According to the Census Bureau in 2014, they say there's 319 million people here in the United States of America. Now, also, according to psychologists and scientists, they say 1% of the population will be psychopaths. There's nothing you could do about it. That's according to them. It's not according to the captain. Remember, the captain doesn't do the work. He lets the nerd, the geek, do the work. And if they don't do it, I beat them down. Now, let's keep it going. They did that. Hence, I say according to this, according to that. Now, here's the ironic thing. According to the Census Bureau, not according to the captain, 2.2 million adults that are incarcerated in U.S. federal and state prison and county jail since 2013. Now, if you add up the math, that's 0.91% of point. Now, remember, it's not at 1%. That's below, all right? 0.91% of the U.S. population. What did I say before? 1% of the population are going to be psychopaths. Continuing. 
Just pay attention. But you also got to factor in the world, and you also got to factor in when they say really 1%, what are they talking about? The Eurocentric society also, too, the, the, the quote-unquote developed world. Now we go from The Guardian, good to read, America's passion for guns, ownership and violence by the numbers. Now let's look at some of this. They say, according to this article, this is Guardian, all right, this came out this week. Actually, as soon as this set off in Las Vegas, 88 guns for every 100 people. It's a lot of guns, all right? Let's keep going. The United States is home to roughly 35 to 50% of the world's civilian-owned guns, according to the Small Arms Survey. That's from 2007. Let's keep it going. Now, this is an interesting statistic. More than 30,000 number of Americans killed with guns each year. About two-thirds of those are suicide. All right? So we also have a problem there. You got to look at everything. This is according to the article. I didn't know there was 30,000 people killed by guns annually. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're all killed inside of America, but it just means they're Americans. Right? Let's keep going. 25 times. Americans overall are 20 times more likely to be murdered with a gun than people in other developed countries, gun control advocates say. All right. Now we go according to FBI statistics. Got to look at everything. So this is how you come to assessment. Put your, put your you know, preconceived notions aside. 70% proportion of gun murders in the United States in which handguns is the weapon, according to FBI. According to FBI. See that according to, again, 71% increase in the number of handguns owned in the United States since 1994. All right? 38% increase in total number of guns owned in the United States since 1994. Okay. Keep going. All right? They have hospital statistics. All right? We'll, we'll leave that alone. 400,000, the number of guns stolen in the United States per year, according to an unpublished Harvard Northeastern Survey results summary. That's compared with 230,000 a year in a recent estimate from National Crime Victimization Survey. Okay. 32%. The proportion of U.S. men who said they personally owned a gun in 2015, down from 42% in 1994, according to the Harvard Northeastern study. 12%, the proportion of U.S. women who said they personally owned a gun in 2015, up from 9% in 1994. Now let's just look at the ages, demographic characteristics of gun owners. Teen to 29, 13%. 30 to 44, 21%. 45 to 59, 24%. 60 plus, 25%. These are the people that own firearms. Let's go with race, 25% white. Hello, Hispanic, 16%. Black, 14%. Multiracial, 25%. Now, let's, let's, go with, let's go with income. No, let's go with education first. Less than high school. So you wouldn't be an Afro-nerd there, but less than high school, 11%. High school, 23%. Some college, interesting, 26%. College educated, 20%. Let's look at income. 
and you're going to find something rather interesting when it comes to income. So you got to look at everything. You got to look at everything. Less than 25000 so That's rough. You know, if you're making less than that, 13%. 25000 to, let's say, 60000 22%. 60,000 to roughly 99 is 100,000. That's the way they put their statistics. That's 24%. 100,000 plus. Highest figure, 25%. So you have to look at this. The reason why I say you look at this because people talk about gun control, start to have the statistics. You see, the advocates for gun control have a good point. They're just not talking. You understand? They're just not talking like how a lot of people just like to talk. You understand? So it's just, I want you to see everything and what we're dealing with here in this country. Now, I'll put my little personal opinion on this. You have something called the mob mindset, all right? From my perspective, it's the mob mindset that helped out Trump win the presidency. Once the mob starts get going, they start to share that same consciousness. They start to get going, you know? Kind of like now I'm going to take total intent manifest information. Kind of like when the KKK or any other hate group would go after the black guy years ago. Some would say that right now, but go after the black guy years ago, and they would say, oh, he tried to rape a black woman. And then the police look the other way, and they just do whatever they want to this black person. Mob mentality. Mob mentality goes and says, well, Hillary Clinton is the better candidate, but she's a cheat. She's no good. We had all these emails. Screw her. Let's go ahead and vote for Trump. Mob mentality. And these same individuals regret it now because they're not in the mob mentality. There's something you can look up according to psychologists. They know about it, and scientists know this stuff too about the mob mentality. So you have the mob mentality in respect to guns in this country because there's so many guns. So many guns. That's just the reality of it. That's how it works. Now, these people should have got on their job 40 years ago. You see, and this is why you have to understand science and other things. You just can't react emotionally. When you start to understand these things, you know how to move and when to move. You understand? You know how to move. You got a mob mentality in respect to guns in this country. So at this point, it is what it is. You, you might have a civil war in this country. You try to take these people's, take these people's guns. I'm just saying, all right? And one other thing to add, you know, you got to add this in here. It was a heinous act. It was totally messed up. It was, one, it was the worst thing ever. But how come they didn't call him a terrorist? They need to terrorize these people? So that's on the media. That just goes to show you what we're dealing with right here. Back over to you, Afro Nerd. All right. <clears throat> Um, I'm going to make my my um, my viewpoint somewhat brief. Uh, and again, we saw some callers come on and and, and then uh, pop off. Uh, don't be shy. Feel free to join in on the discourse. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. As I said at the top of the show, again, we have no choice but to really speak about this because it's just. It's it, it's the news for the probably the next two or three weeks, maybe beyond, because it's it's outrageous, unconscionable. It's a horror show. It makes no sense. It's just patently crazy, and and 
dare I say, just unbelievable. So I remember when I first heard about the Sandy Hook deal, and I thought that was the worst it could ever get because you're dealing with children. I mean, true innocence. And again, just what the captain was talking about, that perp had a history. The folks in the town knew that he was off, that he had some kind of autism or he was on the spectrum. And, you know, when you hear the stories, the, the discernment was there. But no one still thought that he would do something like this. But, but his mother, probably also uh, so indulgent to her son, some probably a little off, allowed him to have so many, so many arms in their abode. And who knows what ticked this guy off? He was walking around his, his haunting ground, and you know the neighbors have to just deal with it. And, I, and personally, I'm tired of dealing with people that we know are crazy. I would suspect that this paddock person, I, I find it very difficult to believe that he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't display any kind of weirdness where you, you are just a regular dude and then all of a sudden you're mowing down 500 people. So that's one element of it. And the captain also, and I think uh, the the great uncanny Daryl B also went into this, is that the fact that this man's ethnicity, and we we appear to be living in the times now where we have to talk like this, which is which is really disturbing. I don't like referencing ethnicity and race and all all that, but all of the outlets that seems to be what's going on now. We we have to take into account one's race for some reason. So in this case, we're seeing his access. Older, mature, white accountant, from, from what they've been saying, a man of means, a millionaire, maybe, maybe even a multimillionaire in Vegas, was able to wire 100 grand for some odd reason to his Filipino girlfriend. All this is going on, and this guy brings in, I don't know, 30 bags? <laughs> you think that a man of color, black or Latin or Asian or someone like that, someone who, someone who doesn't have the quintessential American tagline, even though all those ethnicities I mentioned could be as American as apple pie. But on the surface, this white male dude coming in with 30-some-odd pieces of luggage doesn't, doesn't ring any alarms. No one's, no one's uh, inquiring. You know, um, the the one thing, and I'm not one for really. I don't think I really go into this that much. But I, I I'm not the that guy. I'm not the SJW guy because I have conservative leanings. Uh, there is a thing. There is a thing when it comes down to this, the, the notion of white skin color privilege, that when you converse with with some whites who who uh, are ignorant of that designation because let's be honest you have white folks that are that are having a hard time at uh, a hard go of it you know um an appalachian white person will laugh at you if 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 you were to say uh well you have white privilege but that person may not be able to access it or know how to access it maybe he doesn't have the cheat codes i don't know but i do know that at the very 
heart of what white skin color privilege is. And again, I'm not the SJW dude, but I see it, um, is credibility. Credibility. No one's going to really scrutinize you. Even yours truly, as an educated black male, I have been scrutinized on occasion. Now, the only difference is, and I've told my listeners who try to combat me about this, is that I'm able to talk my way out of it. Once they hear me speak, to be honest with you, a calmness, it's really, it's crazy, but it happens. A calmness nine times out of kind of just overtakes them and say, oh, he's one of the good ones, in quotes. And then I'm able to go about my business. You just have to know how to navigate in this world. This is what it is. As a matter of fact, I recollect a young man who tried to – didn't, didn't try. He did. He revisited the Black Like Me experiment. You know, there was a movie. Um, I can't remember. Uh, he's a very good actor too. I think Whitmore was uh, – I'll, I'll look it up. But in, in the early 60s, there was an actor that um, – he was in a movie that was based on a book called Black Like Me, and it was it was a real life story of a during the sixties sixties a game, Jim Crow South, where he decided to take some kind of medication or some kind of dye. He cut his hair a certain way. He darkened his skin, and he lived the life of a black person. This is pre Rachel Dolezal, and he did it. I don't know how much time it was, but he he did do it for some length of time. Um, in more recent times, I think even Oprah Winfrey, you can check this out on YouTube, there was a there was a young man that did this, young white male. He did it. He could only do it for less than a week. <laughs> he couldn't ta- he couldn't handle it. And this is way this is this is post racial time in quotes. He said one of the reasons why he could not continue doing it wasn't so much about harassment. What which I found what I found interesting is that he said I was no longer credible. Like I, he's used to, even as a young white male with not that much access, again in quotes, just a regular dude. When he when he darkened his skin, he realized all of a sudden he was a scrutinized person. And this is what happened with this paddock person. He wasn't scrutinized, so he's able to get down this way. And and the media are as you as many are can tell, and I think uh, Daryl went into this, they are already positioning this in a certain way. It's it's already, he's got mental problems. They go into a whole storyline with this guy that many folks of color do not get that, they're not afforded that luxury. They're not afforded a photograph where you look somewhat normal. There's never a normalization with you. We are able to know that this person had a father that in 1969, his father uh, was on uh, the FBI's most wanted list, that he was a bank robber, that he, that he, was, de- that he was diagnosed as having um, psychiatric or um, uh, psychopathic tendencies. So now what's happening is you start to say, I mean, this is what a normal person would, would, would connect this. Uh, let me give the, the correct information. Benjamin Paddock was the dad, and he's the one that was diagnosed as a, as a psychopath. 
So he never met his father, or he had very little connection with him. But what they're doing is they're painting a picture where you have to say, well, you know, these things are have a tendency to be uh, biology-based. Maybe he inherited this kind of thing. They, 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 there's a need to make a, to make a story to explain this. When I see black, brown perps, they're not really afforded this luxury of explanation. Inclusion, I mean, this is, this, this is life, unfortunately. This is an episode, or, 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 or what's the, the, the franchise I'm thinking of? Um, uh, I think it's called um, Final Destination. The Final Destination franchise. I feel like we're living in those times where, you know, it's just a matter of, is it your time? Maybe it's always been this way. I think it's, it, you're going to have to have discernment. You're going to you're going to have to uh, lessen your time in these public spaces. I think that uh, the NRA, just like I believe it was the uh, Ford Corporation, I mentioned the story before with um, Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader, the uh, the consumer advocate, the well-known consumer advocate and politician, that he came into the public sphere in the 70s because he took note that I'm making the I'm making the connection, so just follow me. He took note that Ford Pintos, when struck in the struck in the back, when they were rear-ended, they would explode, and Ford was able to basically sign away death. That it was cheaper, pay off the, the victims, the innocent victims of, of the owners of these vehicles, pay them off, than invest a couple of bucks to put a, 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 a brace between the rear of the car and the gas tank. So I saw and learned very early that corporations will sign off death. They have actuaries and insurance people and litigators to and accountants, which this this person was one, they can excuse death. And the NRA, not that dissimilar from the Ford Motor Company and uh, the cigarette companies, they will allow for effery at your expense. I mean, if 500 people can get shot, 58 people being killed. If that's not enough motivation to, at the very least, allow for a scrutinization process. When Sarah Huckabee, I know you recognize that surname. That's Mike Huckabee's kid, who is now the, the president's press secretary. That should also give you a clue. When asked about what are we going to do about this now? This is obvious. She, her first thing was, well, let's not get into politics. So now asking for what would be natural, this is, to me, it's not, not even a political situation. It's like, wait a minute. We have to figure out a way to scrutinize mad men and women, but mostly men, mad men, from being able to shoot us indiscriminately, and we can't have the conversation because – they're saying it's a political question. So we're effed. I mean, that's what it is. We're effed. If 500 people can get mowed down, 
or threatened like this in an environment. The 20 some my kids from Sandy Hook that didn't do it. So there, there's no number that's going to change the minds of some of our, uh, well, definitely not the NRA and these politicians that are also probably getting their, their books cooked also with NRA money. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a horrible situation. That's it for me. I, I, can't, I can't go into this anymore. It's, it's, it's um, until the next one. <laughs> is, gentlemen, is that fair to say, Captain, Daryl? Well, we're about to feel it. We're about to feel it. Yeah, we're we're about to feel it because uh, uh, I just passed you guys the article. Breaking news, folks. In light of the shooting for New York Comic Con, folks that thought they were going to get that big sneak preview of the Punisher and those special events, uh uh-uh, canceled. So, Domino 1 has fallen. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to show that probably, I don't know, what do you think, six months from now, a year? Yeah, yeah, but hey, I know I have quite a few friends that are Punisher fans. And they, one of the main reasons they were going to Comic-Con was to get news and info about this and that event. And hey, NYCC said because of the Vegas thing, we aren't going to do that. So, sorry guys. Wow. And we must emphasize that, yes, the Punisher is a violent anti-hero, but he's very specific as to who he's killing, unlike this Joker and many of the other Jokers in the past. He's not killing kids. He's, he's not killing uh, country music concert goers. He's killing the people that most people would want to be erased. But, we, you know, we're not allowed to, to be that discerning. I mean, it, there's a clear distinction between a Punisher, if there was even a even if there was even a real life Punisher, than this Paddock person. So it's um, it's messed up. It's messed up. All right, we got an hour left. We have more discourse. I think let's lighten the lighten the load. Talk about this Star Trek Discovery. Let's go to a quick quick groove, people. You know what we do. Uh, we do play this music because. Listen, Cardi B is out there. <laughs> I have to remind you that Cardi B is the new Lauren Hill. I kid you not. That's where we're, that's also contributing to this stuff. The nihilism, the nihilism that's being pumped pumped out daily in our culture, in our music, in our you know, it's the nihilism. Some of that is is, is working its way into some of this nonsense. I I believe that as well. All right, this is a cut called. Baruch Assault, new black rock jam, Kimberly Nicole. Give me about two minutes. Let's screw. We'll be right back.
Black Rock Coalition in full effect, Afropunk in full effect. That was Veruca Salt. The song Veruca Salt by Kimberly Nicole. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. One quick anecdote, and then we'll get into the Star Trek Discovery talk. Um, I'm just remembering something I did want to mention, that I admire the Japanese gun laws. I remember seeing some piece, maybe it was on YouTube, maybe it was on Discovery, I don't know. I'm pretty sure you could probably just Google Japanese gun law, uh, Japanese gun, something to that effect. You can find this little snippet. And it showed, it gave an example, a, a, a young man who, who was able to uh, acquire a gun in Japan. But listen, we know in New York the gun laws are strict. Japanese, whole different level. It's not like it's not that you can't get a gun in Japan, but it's so much. It takes like a year to get a gun in Japan, and you have to pass so many checks. I mean, they have to make sure why you really want that gun. I mean, again, if you really need that, if you really want that gun, you can get it. But it's a whole lot of discernment, and we do know that uh, Japan kind of has that 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 um, descriptor of being cerebral. You know, the Americans aren't really given that cerebral tag, especially with who we have uh, as president now. We had it; the preceding president kind of had the professorial tag. We had a good run for a minute. And he was lambasted for being intelligent. Uh, this president doesn't appear to have. And I'm saying this in a respectful way, but I think it's pretty, it's, it's pretty clear. He's not intellectually curious. You know, he's, he's throwing, throwing uh, towels to Puerto Ricans. <laughs> you know, when he visited Puerto Rico uh, after this Hurricane Maria. I mean, just the, just the, the composure, the, the deportment is not there. People in need. You're not. This is not a, a sporting event where you throw things at people. But you know, hey, if Obama wore a tan suit and was critiqued for it, this man's able to throw towels at people in need, and you know, it's kind of just looked at, and no one really gets into it. I, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Okay, Star Trek Discovery. We never really heard um, Daryl's. Darrow's thoughts on it, and I'm intrigued because, again, we were speaking about it leading up to the first show. Now we're at the third show, and uh, Darrow, we didn't really get a chance to find to really get his impressions after having seen again three episodes. CBS All Accesses Star Trek Discovery. What what would you like to say about it, Darrow? Uh, I think it's okay. I I like it. Uh, uh, is it the greatest Star Trek thing I've ever seen? No. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll get with the 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 one misconception I had right away. I compared Michael in the beginning to Riker. I was wrong. She isn't Riker. She's Chakotay. If you remember Voyager, and you remember how they framed uh, Chakotay's relationship with Janeway. That's the relationship she's going to have with the new captain, okay? And that's uh, the relationship she had with uh, with Michelle Yao was more motherly, daughterly, and then the, then they had the Kirk Spock kind of dynamic, all right? But with this new captain, she's going to be Chakotay. That's that's essentially how they're setting this up. Now, 
in terms of the 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 first two episodes and the third the the quote unquote jailbreak episode, I will say it like this. Uh, it, and it, it's a testament to Miss Green's acting ability that I want to hug her and throttle her at the same time for some of these decisions. Okay, because look, you're a part of Starfleet, and you're a first officer. Understand that your decision doesn't just affect you; it affects every crew member of that ship. All right, it. it it's like it's like the um, the Chris Rock joke line. I, folks on Wednesdays that haven't heard me, I often refer to stand-up comics when I analyze stuff. When he was referring to Hillary Clinton and what her her job was supposed to be uh, during the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal, well, Michael, your job as the first officer is not only the the to to be your captain's right hand man slash woman, but you have to look out for the welfare of the people on your ship. You doing what you did not only put your whole ship in jeopardy and led to all those people getting killed, but also but let's face it, you threw everybody into a war. Now, again, like I said, this is a testament to, to, to Green's acting ability because I feel for her and hate her at the same time. <laughs> hey, now, one major thing that they did wrong is you you connected with the, the first officer and the captain of the previous ship and you kind of got a sense of of the um the science officer okay but you didn't get a sense of anybody else not until the, not until the cell scene and then oh they're not just ciphers i mean that dude uh, again again i don't want to spoil for people who haven't seen it yet but we're past the week so i'll say it the crewman that got sucked out into space, he was generally an innocent. And, and this is the main reason I'm taking this tact. He was an innocent. He's there, oh, we were just supposed to go out and discover and map stars. And now they're shooting, everybody's shooting. What? And she's stuck in the cell after trying to commit mutiny. And she tells him, look, you're hurt. Go 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 see the doc, go see the doc, and that's when the whole room blows up and he gets sucked into space. Right there, right there, that's a crime for which you are truly responsible for. Alright? And to to her her credit, she owns up to it in the in the tribunal hearing, which leads to prison. But but and again, I'll say it like this. Role of a first officer, okay? You have to take care of your own. This is why I say she's more Chicote than Riker. Now, the other elephant in the room is the Klingons. Folks, I will say it like this, and if you heard uh, us debating with Q-Storm and the masculinity thing and all of that, 
You can't tell me these Klingons aren't black people. Sure, there's non-black people in there, all right? But the same argument that certain guys used against me for the Orville, you got to give me more than black people are terrorists on this one, all right? You got to give me motivations. You got to give me that you don't just do this. Okay, because in that way, it is the same freaking stereotype that when I said, hey, to me, the Orville's kind of decent, and this was, uh, this gripped me as, uh, uh, sure, it's Star Trek light in terms of that, and we've seen the situations before, but I'm watching the Klingons there, and you aren't giving me why he's got this motivation, all right? This this was reverse xenophobia, all right. This was if if the the uh, the Black Power movement was the KKK. That's what they gave me as what the Klingons are. You didn't expound on this, all right. You gave me a violent black, uh, mostly black society here without expounding because they're the ones that crouched over. They're the ones accusing the, uh, the thing, but we know for a fact committed the massacre that took out Michael's parents. They committed this massacre that took out at least, what would you say, eight or nine starships? And unfortunately, it has the tendencies of the Star Trek movies where we don't get the villain side. Or not even get the villain side, but we don't get what spurred that motivation to take it to this point. All we know is they're a violent race. What? That, that's all you're going to give me? And then just like that, you take out the leader, spoiler, you take out the leader so we don't know what prompted him to go this far. And now the Federation's in the law, uh, war. He's a martyr. Michelle Yeoh is proven right, but so is Michael at the same time. Because Michael goes, hey, if he dies, he becomes this symbol, and they're going to rally around it and take us all out. And coincidentally, it's Michael's own hand that causes this whole thing to happen. Like she forgot. Everything she warned about, she forgot. And and from step A to step B to step C, it's her movements and decisions that got him into this mess. So, Darrell, you're Boy, also talking about the writing. For me, it was kind of uneven. Okay. Why? The time jumps. They keep... The, Listen, I know guys love flashbacks as a narrative device, but once we're in the conflict, I don't need her popping back to Vulcan again. <laughs> I don't need to see Sarek with, 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 with uh, the, the captain. Not so soon. Once you're in the heat of that moment, roll the heat of that moment. Now, it sounds like I'm bashing the show. I'm not bashing it. I like what I see. The the special effects are great. The problem is, and I I said this I said this to a lot of guys, and I put the theory out on Twitter where I thought they should have taken this show. 
It is too sleek to be a part of, like, this was before the Star Trek we know and love. Everything looks too sleek. They, the way they evolved the Klingons, so essentially to, to become the Klingons we know now, they have to kind of devolve to become that. Huh? Wait. A whole race can just devolve? You know, that's where we, we got to make them look way different. We got to make them look way different. No, you could have showed the in-between step from how they looked in the original series to how they looked in Next Generation. All right? And since this comes before the original series, you don't have to take it to a point where the Klingon ships look unrecognizable. The outfits look unrecognizable. The backlats look unrecognizable. You've taken it. Meanwhile, the Starfleet's using phases that look like the original series. <laughs> Could we be consistent in this? You know. So it's with a discerning eye that I rip it like this, but the acting chops here are going to carry this. It's going to carry this and it's going to be cool. It's just when you knock one, when you knock the parody, okay, I want to hear the same experts knock the new show for using a lot of things that the parody is also using. If you have a problem with how black men are, are being perceived in the Orville, tell me how this was any better. Okay, and you could tell me, well, we have a strong black woman here in Michael and the thing, and I kept on telling folks that, oh, the Orville has a strong black woman and Penny Johnson Gerald as the doctor, too. That doesn't absolve the, you using the same old trope again. Again, again, they have places to take this into new stories. If this is going to be a history of the Federation Klingon War, okay. I would have loved if this would have been the beginning history of the Mirror Universe. That way, you're free to tell your stories. It is a separate universe, all right? And we can see slowly but surely how that diverged from the universe we know and love. And there wouldn't be the comparison between the two, and they'd be free. As it is now, Discovery has to be, will constantly be compared to, like I said, Voyager, Next Generation, the original series. It will constantly get those comparisons because, like you guys said, none of these storylines are new. It's just new faces, new special effects, recycled again. We'll see what happens. Back to you, Afrinard. Uh-oh. Afrinard? Hey, Cap, you hear me? Oh, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Sorry about that. You? Sorry about that. Uh, okay. Our friend for the DMV, Bison, would like to chime in. Bison, I have my mic, my mic off. Um, hello, everybody. Hope everyone is having a good evening. Oh, yeah. I'm going to um, go into some things um, Daryl said about the show. And um, 
at the end of, end of the day, everyone has their own opinion. So, you know, so I'm just preparing before I rip you a new asshole. Um, there we go. One, why do Star Trek fans want to be spoon-fed everything? Why does everything have to be spoon-fed? I thought um, Top 5 fans were discerning viewers of television. Two, you're not going to have 1966 aesthetics in 2017. You're just not. You know, it's just, okay, let me go to the uniform thing. You in the, you in the Army like myself. I was in the Army 30 years. I saw five uniform changes. So, you know, that can explain that. I mean, people in Hawaii wear different uniforms than people in Alaska. Okay, I, I will use that the same for Starfleet. If you, but if you just don't like the uniform, you don't like the uniform. You're not going to have women in miniskirts and go-go boots. That's just not going to fly in 2017. The ships. Now, from what I've been seeing, the Constitution-clad ships, Will will make an appearance either later this season or in the next season. I mean, from because I'm on a forum where Anthony Rapp kind of dips in and out and kind of throws clues around on, on things. So a lot of things, like in, in, in episode three, remember when she was you know in the spores and went to those different planets? There were so many clues and Easter eggs in that scene. Now, I don't know if you talked about it because I had to step away for about. 15 minutes, no, we didn't so I missed about you know, it. Well, go ahead. part of the show. You did? No, we didn't talk about the sports. But go okay, ahead. so there was a bunch of, like, one was the preservers. I mean, all that was that scene, that was all um, original series. So it's Easter eggs all into that. Oh, yeah. I, it's, you know, I've seen every show. I was a very small child when the first one came out. I was told I was in front of the TV. So I'm going to say I've seen every show originally in its original iteration. And one thing I noticed is this. It's going to take more than two or three episodes. I did not like Enterprise the first year. But I grew to like Correct. I did not like The Next Generation. People forget that first season where they went to a black planet and everybody was dressed like um, Sinbad. People talk about that. The, yep, the, the Tasha Yard episode. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that was about as bad as it gets to racial stereotyping. You had the angry black woman and some more stuff. But at the end of the day, people like their childhood and people like, um, you know, something they gravitated to when they were younger. And I, I view Star Trek the same way, but I'm open-minded. I want to see new track, and I want to give the, the creators a chance to create or expand on that universe. I don't even have a problem. It's not, you know, you know that it's they're going back. I don't have a problem with that because I'm a fan of space science fiction. Now, I will say this about the Klingons. Unlike a lot of people, I like it because I think the analogy is – European colonial powers and native people. That can be black, that can be, you know, you can insert any any native population you want. Is there some facial exaggerations? Probably. But I've noticed most fans, because I'm on on about five Star Trek forums, and one of the things almost everyone hates is the Klingons. And I have a feeling I know why. 
and you know you're holding a mirror in front of everybody. But the federation could be a federation could be Europe. You know, it's sort of like absorb our way of living, or you know, we're going to have problems. And maybe some civilizations don't want to be part of the federation, but a lot of people have problems with that. And my last thing is this. Everybody has their threshold when it comes to their finances. But this is the future of television. You just going to have to a la carte and pick what you want to, want to, want to pay for. Because I see myself bailing from Netflix probably when the Warner thing goes through um, in about a year or so. Because eventually everything is going to be a la carte. And we, gonna, we as sci-fi fans, we're going to have to pay for what we want. So, like, if you're a New York Yankee fan and you sign a big-time player, then as a season ticket holder, expect your season ticket prices to go up. So if you want new track or new whatever, we as consumers are going to have to pay for it. And that's my slight little rant. I'll, I'll shut down. Well, uh, Bison, just one correction, and maybe I didn't make it clear, okay? I wasn't ripping the Star, uh, the Star Trek uniforms. No, no problem with that. It's just what the, the how they had the what we are used to as Klinger and Garb, okay? They went so far left with it that oh, they're Klingons. The, I I know, I know. Like I said, this is my part. I usually like I I got my fandom, and I I usually a little analysis, but to me, they tried to go so far with it, like. Did they mutate them or something? Is is it, you know, hey, one, one thing I'm going to be curious about, because we didn't see it with the spores when they were hopping around, I really want to see the Klingon homeworld now. If they change the outlook of the ships and the personnels this much, I want to see the Klingon homeworld. Just well, are that. you more, so you're not upset. Some people are more upset that she's Spock's half-sister. Do you have issues with that? No, no, because because uh, she's adopted. It's not she was born to the family. She's adopted. The, it, they made it almost clear that Sarek found her. The the Vulcans were the first ones to come to the the settlement after it got destroyed and wiped out, and he found her alive. He knew the family before. He served with the family. I took it like if 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 Kirk had kids in this new iteration. And the kids were, were knew Spock, all right, and grew with Spock. And Spock was leading a faction where to a settlement where Kirk's kids were a part of like a massacre, and he found one of them still alive. And he takes them under his wing. That's how I took it. it that's where people go. That's where the xenophobia, which I brought up before, goes a little too much. Oh, my God. He has a black half-sister. Oh, how will we deal? Oh, my God. I can't wait to see what Gene Roddenberry has to say. Oh, yeah, that's right. Gene Roddenberry was heralding this type of thing. I have a statement and a question posed to everybody. Now, I don't have any problems with this Star Trek at all, whatsoever. But... This is where they have to get better. And we saw this with Dark Matter. All right? Now, those you don't know, it was Afterno that put me on to Dark Matter. First season when I watched Dark Matter, I was like, eh, not a bad show. Considering it's on sci-fi, I see they had a limited budget. The second season was excellent. Why? Because the character interaction, the chemistry. 
They found their niche. Now, you see, so sometimes these things take time. Just as Bison said, you know, he talked about 1966 version, Jane Wayne, all other stuff. <clears throat> sometimes it takes time. I'm waiting to see that because as far as the way the characters and everything is set up, the chemistry, to me, with the characters. you got to remember, Star Trek is a legacy show. It's not like Star Troopers, Starship Troopers or something like that. It's a legacy show. And you're coming from a legacy with Janeway, Picard, and also, you know, Captain Kirk, where the character chemistry was incredible. And this is something I think is going to take time. That's what I'm looking for right now. Because if truth be told, take away the special effects. What do you have? Now, if now people would say that's hard to say because it's Star Trek. They're always married. Marriage is a marriage with the special effects. Okay, I understand your point of view. Now, you go to Dark Matter season two. What if I gave them seven million an episode? Hypothetically. That blows what we're watching right now away. At seven million an episode. You know why? Not because of just the effects, because they would have the comparable effects. It's the interaction, the chemistry. So I'm waiting to see that build. Once that builds, because it has to build. You know why it has to build? Because a lot of you are still in love with Deep Space Nine. You're in love with the Janeway version. You're in love with the Picard version. You're in love with the, the Captain Kirk 1966 original version. They all had that. And that's something that's very important with Star Trek. So this is what has to be built upon. Everything else is fine. Everything else is hey, fine. Hey, Captain. Now, hold on, let me finish. One thing those shows didn't have. All right. Let me finish. All right. From this standpoint, when I watched it, it did have it. Maybe at the original standpoint, just as you said, it didn't have it. But from the standpoint, when I watched it, it had it. <clears throat> so this is something that has to be built upon with this. And I think they will build upon it. At times, when you put these things, you put the writing together and everything, the people even on the set don't necessarily mesh. You know, you might be acting, but it's a difference between acting and you're really comfortable with the person in front of you. Sometimes that takes time. That's a little insider thing. And I think once they do that with this, then you're going to have something incredible. There's nothing wrong with the look and all that other stuff. Well, that's fine, you know? But that's what I need to see with this. Back over to you, Afrona. Yeah, let me let me say this quickly. Um, anytime these series come about, I mean, I know we all weigh in heavily on some of this stuff, especially with the humans. But the humans was was more of an obvious failing. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with the history that comes with the Inhumans, I mean, there should have been some uh, honorable effort to at least give us a decent product. So. That's why I, we weighed in on that. And I think there's a general agreement that the Inhumans really doesn't have what it takes. But when it comes down to reviewing this stuff, first couple of episodes, I, I'm inclined to, to, to fall on the side of, of uh, Bison. That I'm reminded of, of I'm always, we always go back to this, Seinfeld. First couple of seasons of Seinfeld, early 90s, you know, this is at the time where they were still giving... TV series and opportunities to grow. I mean, it, we're just in a different, there's different formats. We're in a different culture. Um, the competition is stiff. So you have to come out. I mean, you have to come out hard and banging. And now, and then we have these ADD kids now, AD, ADD generation, that we just don't have the, the patience to 
to look at something long enough to allow a series to breathe, to grow. So I, I'm, I have to agree with Bison that, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to allow some of what some may consider to be missteps or whatever. So we, so we, we get, we get a footing, let them, let them get a footing. Let them, let, let the character development kind of breathe. Let's figure out who these people are. We still don't know who these people are. I mean, already, I have to look at this captain of the Saratoga with a side eye because you see that he brought that creature on at the last minute. Like, what the hell for? So already, I don't know what kind of captain this is. This captain is coming off somewhat ominous. So we, we don't know what we don't know what this series is you know what this series is really ultimately going to be about. Um, but again, I have to be mindful that I always like thanking people, and I'm just looking at this from a kind of a meta perspective. That when you see someone like this Michael Burnham character, who is of African extraction, and I think. They, they will go into that a little bit, or they might have gone into that a little bit. Again, you know, this is science fiction. Um, shout out to the late Gene Roddenberry. I mean, it, it looks like we're not going to have that world because, you know, race is everything in the 21st century. But at least in this century, they didn't really talk about race that much. They didn't talk about it that much uh, during the show Nichols' stint because – the premise was we're supposed to be above all this stuff. We're not, but we're supposed to be. We're thinking in that way. So when I see a black woman who is a human, the character is a black woman, human, earth citizen who is being trained in uh, trained by Vulcans or or is Vulcan culturally, I find that very fascinating because it's, you know there's the genetics with what a Vulcan brings to the table, but at the same time, she comes off Vulcanish. I find that fascinating. I like characters that have brains, even in the superhero genre. I was thinking of Emil, Emil Burbank. I know Daryl knows what I'm talking about. Uh, we never got a chance to see this character really kind of fully develop, but Emil Burbank is from Marvel Squadron Supreme. And not to get into a whole heavy-duty thing, but the Squadron Supreme is basically Marvel's interpolation of the Justice League. And what would, I would say that Emil Burbank is essentially a Marvel's Lex Luthor analog. And the way this guy got down, this guy's just a guy in a suit. But he's, he's, he's basically the, the, the Earth's greatest intellect. So he's got gods next to him. And this guy, I guess not that dissimilar from Batman or Black Panther... He's got, but he's got kind of an evil edge to him, an evil edge to him. But he's able, he has contingency plans to deal with these people. Just a dude in a suit. No powers. He's a menace. So, <laughs> he's, yeah, well, that, listen, how it, really, how it really works out for me, I love super speed. My first character, I've said this ad nauseum, was the Flash. My, the first character that, that I was introduced to, uh, via comics was the Flash, that, so I will always have a special connection to the Flash. But when I really started getting into comic collecting and, to, and, and into characterization, I found myself being very attracted to not really people with a, with power with a real power set. I like that. I like that dude 
or do that, that can outthink you. That's a that's a better story. The Sherlock Holmeses and that kind of thing, the Batman, those people that can think. So to see the way this Michael Burnham character is getting down already, already you saw how she was five steps ahead of her crew members. And when, uh, I forgot the character's name, the very tall uh, alien character that was promoted in, in, this, in the Saratoga, who's, who, you know, he doesn't like Michael Burnham. He liked her, but of course, because of what happened, you know, he's, he's got a way about it. He doesn't really like her like that anymore because she, at least the way the story is, she, she was responsible. She was mutinous. But even he said, oh, she's, she's the smartest, smartest person on that ship. So, and even to Daryl, I'm going to ask you this, and then we'll move to some of this, this Nick stuff. Um, has it really been, and again, this is because of time, has it really been determined that Michael Burnham was wrong? I'm still confused about that. Was she really wrong? They, no. Everyone, every, well, hold on. Everyone on that ship is giving her the side eye. She's the, like the most ruthless person of record right now. And the captain, I think, of this ship, I think, kind of sort of knows. Now, well, listen, how can the smartest person, the smartest officer that this guy's ever seen, why she, is she so smart? Was she necessarily wrong when she said, hey, you got to sit out the first shot? Now she's the, she's the catalyst for this entire war with the... You know, with with the um, what you call it? I'm not forgetting the Klingon. You you wait for someone to tell her that she's wrong. She didn't follow orders. That's why they nah, put her yeah, that's what it is. Her 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 line of thinking wasn't wrong in terms of the Klingons, but her actions towards the captain of the ship after makes the ruling, and then to wrong. lie to your other bridge mates. <laughs> and 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 decide. Okay, I'm gonna do this and not properly take care of your captain to incapacitate her and stuff. Yes, yeah, she's wrong for that. But her line of thinking wasn't wrong. She was going out off of that. But here's what she didn't know. She did not know the motivations of the other side, because if they were truly as warlike and aggression as they, 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 they uh, like she thought and she feared and all of that, then once they popped in out of warp, they would have been firing all blazes. There was something else going there, but she didn't realize that. You know, so she the the, the Klingon for the first meeting with the Vulcans, even Sarah kinda said, yeah. We saw them readying phasers. We shot first. They weren't readying phasers. Michael actually provoked this. <laughs> I mean, eventually we know now because we saw the Klingon side. You know, we were seeing what they were doing on the ship. They were going to attack. But they didn't notice. <laughs> hey, Deaver. Deaver. Yeah, is Bison. I think that, I think Section Thirty One plays a part in this. Um, 
I really do with the black ops and a whole lot of other things. I don't think that ship appears what it is. But one thing gave it away. I'm surprised it was in plain sight, but a lot of people missed it in the first viewing. Prisoner's not going to eat with the rest of the crew on, on a starship. True. That's true. True. That's, I, well, I saw that, too. I noticed that, too. Mm-hmm. So, And then when you saw when the, when the, the guard was going to get up and um, Landry pushed it back, right then you knew it was some, some chicanery going on. Mm-hmm. It, 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 we may be dealing with the Star Trek version of Suicide Squad. <laughs> That's good, Daryl. One thing I don't like about the Mirror Universe with Daryl, which is a great point that Daryl brought up, you know, some, a lot of the, the hardcore Trek is bringing it up, is I think that, 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 that would be lazy just starting out. I, I read that Brian Fuller, that was sort of the catalyst, but that, that kind of caused him to be kind of ejected from the show. But I think... To do that so early will be lazy. And here's my last thing. I know you're going to move on, but some people are comparing that that um, creature to the Horda. They saying that that might be this version of Star Trek of the Horda from the original series. They kind of have some linkages there. But I'm just saying. I mean, you know, people throwing yeah. everything against the wall, thinking they know yeah, it. Yeah. I'm just saying. And, and you, know, you, know, that, and, you know, that creature looked like the relic. <laughs> Even though it has nothing to do with that, that's what it, it looks like. That is true. It does look like the relic, man. I was yeah. waiting for the museum. You know something else. You know something else. You know something else. As you're talking about that creature, is that you know we're so used to like really good CGI. That I, I, I never once. <laughs> it's only now that I'm thinking about this. I never once looked at that creature as being like corny. Like I'm going to show <laughs> you the quality. The like, listen. I love the flash on the CW. But it's hit or miss with their creatures. Like, we, we, I have such a love for the Flash that I have to tolerate some stuff. You know, like uh, yes. Killer Shark or whatever. It's, you know, it's hit or miss with that. It's hit or miss with some of the CGI. It's, it's, it's better than, it, than you would expect for a cheap CW show. But for, for CVS All Access, that creature looked legit walking around. I didn't once say, ah, I can see, like, this is kind of... You know, you got to give it up for TV. CBS is going out, going out hard. And one other thing, with with, with um, people of color's desperation to see themselves on screen and to figure out things. Shout out to Q Storm. <laughs> Q Storm sends out a, sends out a tweet of an old photograph of Madge Sinclair, the late Madge Sinclair, excellent actress. And she was I forgot that she played, I believe, in the second uh, Star Trek movie. And she played a captain, but she was unnamed. So he retweets something that people had thought, because she was a captain, they thought, oh, well, that's Michael Burnham 30 years later, 30 years after, after this, uh, this iteration of Discovery. I mean, it would be cool if they connected the dots like that, but I don't think, I mean, she was an unnamed captain. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is the future. I'm hoping there's a lot of black female captains. But the yeah. fact that that ca- that, that said you know, there could only be one. <laughs> you know, that's Michael Burnham in 30 years. I don't know about that. You know, it's, there's it's, only it's one. Yeah. You know. Flash All right, next let's, week let's, Tuesday. Had to say it. Okay. That's true. There's a lot going on. That, that, the, the fourth, the fourth season looks like it might be legit. I'll leave it at that. All right, let's move. Let's move forward a little bit. I got to talk about this. Because it is, okay, it's Effery. 
and I think we were hinting toward this a little bit when Sergio Sergio Mims from Shadow and Act stopped by, and he he threw out a lot of stuff actually. He he threw out this one question basically saying, uh, because of the the success of Cardi B, the rap artist from the Bronx, uh, this Bodak Yellow nonsense that may, he said, are we? I'm paraphrasing, but he says, is this a matter of blurred culture? Combating ghetto culture Is there is, is this really just The blurs versus the ghetto Ratchet culture Folks And I think he may be on to something I, Listen I, we're, I, we're always talking about this ghetto centric stuff That it, it's, it's Put out there As equaling black not, at, not as an aspect of black culture Just like Um Appalachian culture is an aspect of white culture, just as Italian culture. That, but ghetto culture is a definer of blackness, usually to usually to the convenience of the controlling society. But I have to confess, this last thing that's out here now, this latest thing, this viral for the D. I'm going to be respectful because we want a PG outfit out here. For the D, for the for the folks, you know, I'm trying to speak in code. But for the D, the male anatomy, for the P. The female anatomy. There's this viral campaign for the D challenge, for the P challenge. And I'm seeing people who are supposed to be, and I say in quotes, the black elite, celebrity elite anyway, rhyming, doing their own little goofy rhyme thing, which I think would be, would be fun if you weren't speaking about a vulgar topic. I'm like, wait a minute. We have, as the captain talked about, chaos is on our back corners. The stormtroopers are literally in our backyards. You still got the gangbangers. You got all this nonsense going on, and we are seeing the black elite. I'm talking about Gabrielle Union, Regina Hall, Erica Badu, or whatever you want to call these people, rhyming in a way that they, that that people are, are. I mean, I'm seeing. Debbie Allen was doing some of this stuff. I mean, when do we start to say, what are you doing? We, we can't even afford this. I'm going to play, uh, regrettably, I'm going to play a little bit of this. It's, it's awful. But I, I, I'm like, what the hell? Hold on. I go hard for that dick. Yep. I drop my black card for that dick. Drop that shit. Scream on my mama for that dick. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the old bombers for that dick. Where y'all at? I put my lips on that dick. What? Fuck a girl's trip for that dick. Fuck that shit. Travel to Mars for that dick. Woo. Just drop the shit. All right, I had enough. That was Regina Hall. Regina Hall. That was Regina, Regina Hall and Issa, Issa Rae. Now, mind you... I had a I had a special affection for Issa Rae when I thought she was part of our crew. I don't think she's part of our crew. Because when I mean by our crew, she came to fame on YouTube with Awkward Black Girl. I thought Awkward Black Girl was the precursor for Black Girl Nerds, our friend the Blurred Girl, uh, Graveyard Graveyard Black Girls, I think. Either graveyard graveyard Shift. Shift Sisters. Yeah, Graveyard Shift Sisters. I thought she was part of that crew. 
But once she got a good paycheck, once she got put on, I'm seeing she has slowly segued into nignoggery, chicanery, neo-minstrelsy. So I'm like, what is going on? Well, I mean, All right. What, these, that, these, that's... Aren't these people supposed to go? I mean, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the, the mics I'm gonna let the mics go around. People supposed to know better, really. Down. They they had to take this to the extreme. They they had look and and you know what makes this look bad. And I'm gonna go someplace that people won't even realize. It was I want to say three four five days ago. Five days ago, it's Vegas. Okay. There are five white girls in an elevator. They want to be taking selfies. I know you guys have had seen this video, okay? They're Instagram shout-outs there. Who steps in the elevator? Bill Nye, the science guy. What happens? All five of those women realize, oh, my God, that's Bill Nye. Oh, and Bill, like a nerd, like, hi, girls, hi. Uh, and just meekly in the corner waiting to go up. Meanwhile, these girls are in underwear and bikinis and stuff like that. And, you know, they're freaking out because Bill Nye's in the elevator. Okay? I love that that uh, the, uh, these people want to support their brothers and sisters by doing this. I hate the way they're doing it. This is for my woman. This is for my man. Hey, I may be showing my age now. Give me the rap like that. But for the D and for the P? Come on, guys. Come on, we're supposed to be. I thought when we de- we were doing so, we have stuff like blackish. I thought we were into Afrofuturism. I thought we were into raising our level again. Don't sink back down. Please. We're better than this. This is one time we're on the same wavelength, Gaffer Back to you. Yeah, I, I listen, I listen. The only thing is I don't think we're better than this. <laughs> I think I think there's a select few. Uh you and myself, the captain, uh Claire and all, there's a there's a certain segment of people that are that are into certain things. When we when you and I go to Afropunk we feel very comfortable. You know, we run, we run into friends. We we ha, you know we I, we we really bond with people because we really are into this. You know, when you go to Afropunk, you see cartoonists and musicians and artists. And I, I'm I'm speaking to Prince's attorney. I mean, you know, what the hell? I'm at home. When we go to when we go to uh, the Schomburg in January, we're gonna be at home. When I go to New York Comic Con tomorrow, to a certain degree, I'm gonna be at home. But some of these folks, I suspect, are pretenders, and because of, uh, of their celebrity, there's always this thing in the back of their head that I have to jump on the coolest thing to be relevant, not to be moral, or rather, I don't even have any qualms with people trying to be relevant. All of us do that in some capacity. Sure, it's cool to be relevant, but under, under what rules, though? Can you be relevant and be moral? They're not mutually exclusive. But to go into this this doggerel of of sexual lyrics, where I'm seeing people who are certainly I mean, listen again. I'm not an ageist, but I'm seeing Sine Lathan who's closing in on fifty. Okay, he looks damn good though, damn good. 
But Sinai Lathan, pardon me. Debbie Allen's probably closing in close to 70. She still got the moves. I will confess to that. She has the moves, which I found funny and interesting. But beyond that, you, you just can't. We, we're not in the shape as a community. We cannot afford for this nonsense. And because I think they're going to get a pass because there was so much stuff going on that's so crazy that this, this had a blip. I mean, this was like trending. And, and I saw, shout out to Zaja Ali, who is a culture critic. I think she, she's definitely affiliated with uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins. And as a woman, she went in. She even cursed a little bit. She said, and I felt, I felt her. I felt like, yeah, you're going to have to curse on this one. She was so incensed about this not being a good look. And this is, this is on repeat now. And then I got to bring in Cardi B in this because... This is uh, Cardi B. Of course, she was down with this. She was, everyone is. This is the latest thing. This is this is the latest thing. You know, sh- Chicago's on fire. East New York is on fire. You got stormtroopers going down. You got the NFL uh, in chaos right now. We, we you know we're trying to do certain things to garner respect, and you can't garner respect when you're talking about men's anatomies and women's anatomies and, and what you would do for for that. I mean, it's absurd. They need to be checked, man. They need, these people need to be checked. Hardcore. Because now they're coming off. This is the way I felt when, when, uh, uh, who was I thinking of? Um, well, Lil Wayne, well, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a no-brainer. When he's, what he said about Emmett Till. But Nicki Minaj and Malcolm X. I mean, it's kind of in the same vein. Like, you... You, you, you're like really a Klansman. I mean, you're helping the Klansman with this kind of stuff. I mean, it, it is what it is. Uh, Captain, any thoughts about this? I mean, like, w- w- this is probably up your up your alley because you're always talking about like these 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 wave functions that there's no thought process. People just do. They just do. W- w- what is this? Other than none other than you know you're, you're in my reality, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I think you summed it up. I think you summed it up very, very well. You know, I have nothing more really to add to it. It, it. it is what it is, man. If you, you know, you get hot, and and here's the thing: when you mentioned Cardi B, when she was first, I remember when she was first starting out, and when she was on that reality show and all that, everyone was saying, "Oh, she's not going to do anything." And then these same people who said that she was corny and everything else, as that record started to blow up jump right back on. It's real funny, real interesting to see, you know? When you when you got that limelight and the money start coming in, how everyone just blows your way. That's the, that's that, you know, mob mentality. So, it's funny. Yeah, you know, you know what pisses me off? What pisses me is we have this <clears throat> this culture that in our mm. community, which is sort of, you know, with Black China, and, and once upon a time, that kind of stayed in the shadows. You know, people kind of went there, gave me money. That was sort of off the beaten path. But now it's sort of almost a, it's almost like an apprenticeship to mm-hmm. get into the music business in in, in certain communities. Um, Amber Rose is just hopping from rapper to rapper, making money. Um, Black China, for some strange reason, I think she was on like Vogue or 
I mean, some, she's got mainstream success. And, you know, the latest is Cardi B. I just think, you know, with the music business, at least from the hip-hop and R&B in, in shambles, <clears throat> at least from the radio perspective, they, you know, they have to get it wherever they can get it. And it just seems like that is just a new strategy to sort of, quote-unquote, build a brand. And it's just and it's just getting worse, and no one is talking about it. You know, I, I don't want something like the old man get off my lawn because that's how I sound. But there's there's no boundaries anymore. It's just sort of you know we'll say whatever. I mean, I, I'll just end with this. I had an aunt who said something. She's passed on, but she said something that's always stuck with me. She said a man can roll around in the gutter, brush the dirt off, he's still a man. Said a woman rolled around in the gutter, can't brush the dirt off. You know that that stays with you, and I just think that there's a certain segment that doesn't—they don't think that uh, applies to them. And this is society we have right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's even another side controversy. I mean, it's, it's a it's a non-controversy actually, with the rap artist Twenty One Savage, who, as you said, you know, you mentioned Amber Rose. Uh, you know, hey, even in my quest to stay relevant, I have to know these things. I hate that I know these things. But 21 Savage is dating um, Amber Rose, and she has this slut walk thing, which, again, is part of her hustle, part of her brand. And, and people are looking at him with a side eye because he was at this slut walk with a sign that said something about him being kind of you know, a hoe or a slut or something. Like, he's down with it, and he had this starry-eyed look where he looked like, you know, he was a deer and caught in headlights. Like, he like, he didn't know what's going on. He was just there. And it's all part of the culture you're talking about. And again, for Cardi B to, to top the charts and, and, to, and to be uh, connected to Lauren Hill in some way, because there really hasn't been a female rap artist to chart the way that she did since 1998, which is a game. We're talking about twenty, literally twenty years since Lauren Hill, and uh, you know, the miseducation, miseducation of Lauren Hill was such a groundbreaking album that still holds a great deal of clout to this day. And I suspect that Ms. Hill has had her her issues. I mean, Daryl, you were there. We you know we we were supportive of Ms. Ms. Hill at Afropunk, but she had you know she had problems. She was late. And then, the, the, then at the time, the, the, there was equipment issues. But as far as her talent, her talent is so way, so in the next stratosphere that Cardi B's name should not even be mentioned. But we're at this place that I see so many people that uh, appear to be comfortable that, that, that black culture has been hijacked with this stripper culture. That it, it doesn't, it's not embarrassing. It's not... Uh, something that should be questioned that, first of all, I don't understand why there has to be a limit as to how many female MCs are out there and that they must take this route. The fact that you had a, a Lauren Hill that sold a lot of records, millions of records, and was able to talk, to talk in, in a cultural, in a uh, not necessarily a preachy way, but it was very impactful to the to, to to black people, black culture. It was you know it's it's like okay, we're even in, we're in a, a much worse shape in some ways 
Like, we really need a Lauren Hill, if not herself, because she's still relatively, a relatively young woman. But we need, not only do we not just need Lauren Hill, but we don't need a Cardi B in the times of a Trump and, all the, and, and, and NFL players being questioned over their patriotism. Like, it, it, it seems crazy. And, I mean, black folks need to be rioting in the streets and, and boycotting a lot of different entities to uproot what, I, what I'm seeing clearly is by design. I, I don't see how what relevant, relevancy has to do with uh, your gender. Again, there should be more female rappers, and that they have to be half naked and talking about D&P challenges in, in the middle of a racial upheaval. It's, 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 what's going on? Where are, where are the black folks? What's going on with us? Brumless ship. <laughs> we don't have a clue. We, we we jump. Look, it's okay to to jump on a fad and 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 oh, uh, highlight yourself with a fad. But I wish we had more discerning, uh thoughts about doing this. You know, like I said, it's easy. Like like, I'll say it like this. You guys heard Panda, right? Oh, yeah. All right. That song, if you hear the song, it is... Designer. Yeah, it's mind-numbing almost to try to figure the lyrics out and everything there. All right? Mega Ran decided to use Panda to do the, uh, the Mega Man villain 6 True 10. I believe it was 6 True 10 he used, or 1 True 5, from, from the video games, all right? And used the Panda beat. And that was great, because he's a lyrical rapper. He used the Panda beat. The Panda beat was hot. So he used it, and I'm like, hey, you know what? I can get with this song now. Problem is, these good, these good, again, it would be so easy to go for my lady, for my man. Didn't need to go here. Really didn't. Back to you, Afrinard. And, you know, we got about four minutes remaining, and, of course, we have Saturday's show. So I look forward to that. Uh, to give, uh, Daryl's going to be at New York Comic Con on Friday. I'll be there tomorrow, so we'll be to give our impressions. Uh, I, I would be remiss. i, I got to throw this in here. Uh, we, we didn't speak about this. And it's, it kind of, again, it, it seems to be somewhat of a theme. But there's this thing that was uh, – actually, I think I might be the typhoid Mary. I'm saying Afro-nerd. I'm, I might be – and this is not hubris speaking. I might be the typhoid Mary for this controversy that started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there was an article in The Root that was uh, put out there about the notion that, that black straight men might be the white people of black people. Now, the, the gentleman that wrote the article, uh, I, don't, I don't have his name right now, but, uh, well, actually, let me, let, me, let, me, let me be more correct. The actual term black, because we went, we went into this before, this whole black straight men being the white people of black people, whatever the hell that means, we know what that means. It comes from someone who tweeted this out last year. And this, just the tweet resonated with some people. And when I had my issues about Black Panther 
and uh, how I thought that a, that a black male should be directing it. Not that it was a slant against black female directors, but I'm saying for this specific story, I would have I would want to see that black black boys need uh, black black heroes, male and female, but especially male heroes. Just like uh, Superman is a hero for for everyone, but especially white males. It's done very matter of factly. Uh, Captain Marvel, the, you know, Shazam Captain Marvel, whatever. Captain America. Yeah, we, we graft ourselves on these heroes, and a lot of these heroes I don't, I don't look at racially, but I know Daryl knows this, and the captain. We all, you also need an imprint. You, need, you do need someone to follow. So when I critiqued it on, on Twitter and got my comeuppance, where I was like, okay, this Twitter thing is, is crazy. The gentleman that... that Started that started that that article. I mean, started that that tweet was was one of my combatants. And then a, a few days later, that that goes out. Now a year later, a root article comes out that unpacks it even further. So it caused a hoop a hullabaloo because what you're saying is, and even an article opens up by giving all these statistics about how black people, black males, are really powerless, but somehow. We have power over everybody else. It's madness. I was going to a KFC a few uh, weeks ago, begrudgingly, and I and I'm thinking of this article. And as I'm thinking of this article, and I'm in I'm in the drive-in, I'm seeing an elderly black man going in between, in between the cars to pick up loose change, and I had to laugh to myself and say, "Yeah, that's the guy that is the the, the, the straight black man." Who is the white people of black people? Any thoughts, gentlemen, about that piece? What 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 does that mean? No. Uh, well, I took it to mean that uh, honestly, we can be a little intolerant to ourselves. It. it I'll say this. Uh, no catch heat for it. Okay. Yeah, I know quite a few members of of our our lineage that say, "Well, we're black. We can't be racist." And I give them a hard look, like, "Are you serious right now? Is there a hidden camera?" And you know, uh, we we've we've been stereotyped for so long; it's impossible for us to be racist. This article sort of like comes from my viewpoint when I take a look at it because we sometimes we put ourselves on that pedestal to judge other people but you know you know what the 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 statement is judge not lest ye be judged yourself you know that's that's how I look at this article this article isn't for everybody but there it goes sorry cap all right folks it's been real we'll do it again Saturday uh it's Daryl, thanks for stopping by, man. It was definitely something different. I'd like, like to see you come through. Um, all right, this is uh, Michael Jablanca. Peacefully, peacefully. Saturday, folks, it's been real. Hey.